Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Mitch Fisher. Uh, this is an episode of Coffee with Catholics. Uh, kind of give a few seconds for people to join. I know we've got uh, live streaming going on right now on my personal Twitter account, as well as uh, on the Fishers of Men YouTube. And of course, you might also be uh, joining in after this is recorded uh, via our podcast uh, or on YouTube and, and other channels as well. So uh, give a few seconds for anyone who wants to join live here. And um, yeah, basically, um, wanted to start this show here, uh, Coffee with Catholics, to speak with and uh, learn from some of the Catholic creatives, Catholic entrepreneurs out there, um, and kind of build a community that way of uh, people that are doing um, special things for the church, different ministries, different organizations, um, and companies that are out there uh, working to solve problems within the church, uh, working to be creative in the church. And so that's what it's all about. We'll, uh, I'm looking forward to, to a lot of these episodes we've got lined up here. Uh, specifically today, um, I'm joined by Kelly Bro, um, and Kelly is the co-founder of Redbird Ministries, and I, I definitely want her to do a lot of her introduction here. Uh, but very cool thing that they did very recently is they were one of the winners of the OSV Challenge, which is very exciting. So um, I'll let her talk about that as well. Uh, but Redbird Ministries partners with dioceses and parishes to provide the tools and resources to support families who have experienced the loss of a child from pregnancy through adulthood. So with that, uh, I'll go ahead and bring Kelly on here. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Doing well. Um, yeah, I I stumbled upon you, Kelly, uh, just because I, I get a lot of stuff from, from OSV and um, saw what you guys were doing. So obviously you won, which is very exciting. So congratulations. Um, but yeah, first of all, I would love for you to just uh, introduce yourself and kind of what you guys do over there at Redbird Ministries. Yeah, so my name is Kelly Bro. I live South Louisiana in Brobridge, the Diocese of Lafayette. And I am a mom and a wife. Um, this year will make 20 years that my husband and I have been married and we have four children, one on earth and three in heaven, which kind of gives me the experience to do the work that we're doing here in our diocese and across the church. Um, I had a very, um, when I talk about it, like I did not accept my cross well. Um, I was very young. I was 25 when we lost our son at 15 days old. Um, still had a lot of uh, growing up to do spiritually, especially, um, but also just um, with experience with the world and 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 the, hu the whole human person. Um, and so Redbird was born out of our pain and suffering of just, uh, you know, we always say, you know, we love to mentor couples who are getting married um, just to share what we've done wrong. And this is kind of what Redbird uh, also does. And, you know, we've done some things that have um, set back our healing journey. We have done some things that we could have, we, that we shouldn't have done. And we just want to share what we've learned, our wisdoms, our nuggets, um, and accompany these families who feel so lost and alone and, um, you know, just feel hopeless. And so our, our goal is to bring them hope and um, to accompany them on the way, because without that accompaniment, it is a very lonely place to be. Absolutely. 
Yeah, no. Well, first of all, you know, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for all that you do. Um, I think that's an incredible calling, an incredible um, focus, really, something that um, I never realized was a need in the church. But obviously, you know, I, I was looking at the statistics on your website. There's there's a need for it, 100%. Um, what was it like bringing, like, experiencing your experience and kind of bringing that idea to fruition uh, and deciding that this is something you wanted to go after? Yeah, so it's a very, uh, to, to speak to your point, the reason people don't know the need is because we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very silent pain and suffering. Um, many families who are sitting um, in the pews are just, you know, they're, they're carrying this cross in, in silence. Um, one in four families um, who are during childbearing years will experience the loss of a child, either from pregnancy all the way up through adulthood. Our largest group that we serve, which, you know, sometimes people think, you know, it's just early loss, but our biggest group that we serve is adult children of loss. Um, The oldest family that we served in our diocese, their son was 49 years old, which is older than me. um, And we were able to serve that family. Um, The way that we do it um, so intentionally is that we, we, all our presentations or our, our group talks are done in a group and then we um, small group out according to our age of loss. And so we've used some of the things that we know in small grouping and accompaniment. Um, We can't just produce content for these families. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be able to walk through this with them because they just can't see clearly. You basically like we, what we do is we just guide them, um, hold their hand, introduce them to professionals if they need professionals. we always like to tell um, our diocese and our parishes don't just, you know, send people to therapy. Um, they don't know how important it is to find a good Catholic therapist who mm-hmm. has the same Catholic worldview as them, um, because oftentimes they do not protect the sacraments, the sacrament of their marriage, and the things that are important to them. And especially with families of loss, um, the fear of losing again is uh, is so high. So oftentimes they want to contracept and sterilize. And so we have to help our families like walk through that fear of being open to life once again. So there's just a lot of complexities and um, just facets that people don't realize that. And sometimes even families have lost, don't realize that they're experiencing what they're experiencing until we share our own journey with mm-hmm. fear and anxiety and, um, and all of those you know, things that are real to them. Yeah. No, definitely. What does it look like? I mean, you know, when you when you first started helping people in this specific area, um, were there any any hurdles? Was there, you know, any interesting stories that came from that, or, or how did that look? You know, helping your first clients, I guess, or um, I'm kind of like, yeah, just starting them in general. Yeah. So basically, almost every program that we've designed is because of a hurdle. <laughs> um, one of the big hurdles that we uncovered was that, you know, to help families truly find holistic healing, you have to seek in-person support. But 95% of people who experience loss of any type of loss, whether it's a parent, you know, a child, um, just uh, grief in general, only 5% of families will actually seek help. Majority of these families will not seek help from the church. 
Catholics for the longest time would run to the church to make sense out of death. And that's not what it is like today. We are looking to the secular world to make something, to make sense of something that is, that's only um, makes sense by our faith. Um, and so we're, we're trying to overcome this op obstacle of society to help these people to be open and, um, and vulnerable. And that's scary. Um, so I, I'd say for the most every program, like I said, has been a response to an obstacle that we received, just trying to um, create different programs that kind of would fit every person's need, whether it's an in-person or something they can do in the privacy of their home to, so that authentic vulnerability can begin to develop. Um, glory stories. I always love to share those because um, we've had some really powerful things happen. Um, but one of the things that is so amazing to me is that, you know, when we learn about the saints, I oftentimes always think of like big saints, like St. You know, John Paul the Great, Mother Teresa, St. Therese, like all the big saints that mm -hmm. just have had um, inter an intercession in my own life and who have helped me on this journey. But we oftentimes don't see or think about or consider these little saints that have, they are just so powerful. Um, this weekend, Ryan and I were able to serve a family at a couple's workshop um, that we facilitated here in our diocese. And um, I never met them, but before the workshop from a mutual friend, I got a message. And if you give me a minute, I'd like to read it to you. It's very short. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I thought it was so powerful because, um, gosh, where am I? Messenger. Um, it just speaks to the power of the saints. The saints have truly come alive um, through this ministry to me. Whereas before, you know, I would only consider the big saints, um, the little saints. I always say they're just moving heaven and earth for their families to heal. And so this specific family, um, it's, it's okay. So she's, she's sharing to a friend um, that shared with her about a workshop. So her friend interceded on her behalf, reached out to our organization and said, my friend really needs help. How can I get help for her? And I sent her the couple's workshop. And the couple registered. And so she texts back her friend. Thank you so much. It's crazy how all of this comes together. We never heard Emma Grace's story. So that's my daughter. And the night that Adley passed away, I felt something before she took her last breath. They have covers for the NICU beds for the babies. And the last week of Adley's life, her cover said in memory of Emma Grace Bro. I remember it all so clear. And I used to tell myself earlier that week how horrible it must have been for a mom to have her daughter's name on a cover in the NICU that says in memory of. The night she died, they let us, they met us by the door to tell us that they did everything that they could for Adley. And they wanted me to hold her, but I just couldn't. My husband held her, but I couldn't find the strength to even get up to walk to her bedside. I was in complete disbelief, shattered, feeling hopeless. I reached to pick up the cover off of the chair, and when I grabbed it where 
there was a name where the name was all I saw was Emma Grace Bro. And at that moment, she gave me strength. If her mom could do it, I had to find it in me to do it. Later on that day, I was crying, of course. And when I opened up the blanket that Adley had passed away in, a perfect red heart from her blood was on the blanket. But I never knew Emma Grace or anything about her until the last week of Adley's life. And that morning, she was with me. At the workshop, we found out that their wedding anniversary was the day that Emma Grace died. And so she interceded on behalf of that family to bring them into support. And that's what they're, that's what they're doing. I always, always say it's like the Blessed Mother and Jesus and our little saints are like, my mommy needs to meet this mommy. And they're like, this, this um, daddy needs to meet this daddy. And they're just, they're playing chess up there just for the salvation of our soul, because this is what's happening to these families. You know, these, these families are lost, you know, um, naturally, whenever um, someone loses a child, um, they wrestle with their faith. Uh, it's very, very common. They ask why in different ways, it might not come out in the in why, but it's, it's in, definitely in, in some of their behavior. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, there's a natural uh, desire for heaven that increases, but most often it's very disordered. And so you have to love them into that right order so that they desire to go to heaven because God is there, not necessarily just because their child is. And so we help them to right order that thinking, um, to come back into sanctifying grace, because we know that is how they truly carry this cross. And we just help them um, as best as we can to encounter Christ. Um, because we know that that's how they're going to be healed. It's not by us. I mean, we can be the hands and feet, but like they say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Wow. That's a beautiful, beautiful story. I really, really appreciate you being vulnerable to share that. And it's a true testament to, again, the need for, for this type of ministry. So that's, that's incredible. Um, I know Another thing that you kind of had done to uh, share your story and get this message out there is you wrote a book, correct? How? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, what did that process look like? Why did you write it? Um, and yeah, yeah. So um, through through the journey of healing that my husband and I both uh, ex experienced, I would oftentimes go to the Catholic bookstore bookstore and ask them, "Is there?" book for families of child loss and they would all they would point me to this book about suffering they would point me to this book about you know losing a parent um but there was just this innate desire for me to read stories about another family who experienced what I experienced and how they healed once I found healing my husband and I both uh, made our Curcio um mine in 2017 and his in 2018 there was just this um this understanding beyond um, intellectual, we had this experience through the sacraments where we were healed. And so my ask then became, is there a book about child loss that um, explains how someone's been healed through the sacraments? Again, they would point me to this book about the sacraments. They would point me to these, these other books. But there was no book that specifically shared how a family of loss experience this profound grief 
and um, climbed their way out of the darkness and was healed through the power of the sacraments. I thought there was something super important about that. Um, because so oftentimes when you're experiencing crisis, to have something in your hands that you can read that is exactly what you're going through. It, it, one, it disarms people because we oftentimes think that we're alone in this. And so um, it, you can help someone faster and more intentional, I should say, um, when they're reading something that is very close, near and dear to their heart. And um, that's that's why I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's like the reason behind the why it had to be that you know that specific title, "Hiding in the Upper Room: How the Catholic Sacraments Healed Me from the Grief of Child Loss." I had a friend when we were discussing the book title. Uh, we went to a conference. A mother. It was a Mother's Day conference at our diocese, and we were uh, praying with scripture and. It was John 19, I think 1920, or John 20, 19 through 20. It was when the, the disciples were in the upper room. And it, I mean, we know like they were in there for like 53 days. They were hiding. Um, they were scared. Their friend had died. They were afraid that they would die too. And fear was help holding them captive to that upper room. And she said something. She said, you know why Jesus entered the upper room and showed his wounds? And I was like, for us not to be doubting Thomas. And she said, yeah, but there was another reason too. She said, when we, when he shows his wounds, it's an invitation to show our wounds. And it's kind of when my mouth dropped and I was like, that is exactly what I did. I was afraid hiding in the upper room. I was ashamed of my story. I was ashamed. I couldn't carry this cross. You know, as Catholics are like, carry a cross, offer it up. Yeah. And I didn't want to do any of it. And I was mad at everybody who would tell me this because it's like, you know, this is like little, this is where I was at the time. I'm like, you do it. Like, that's hard. Yeah. Carry the cross of child loss every day, knowing and realizing that your child is dead. You know, carrying your cross is like, like, it's not, like, no, like, I don't want to do this. I did not have a good response to it. Um, but I realize now why. I wasn't in sanctifying grace and you can't carry this cross in mortal sin. It's impossible. And, um, and that's, that's what the book shares with these families is that the only way to do this is with God in grace. Um, and, and to become, you know, to become holy, that's the only way that you can carry this. Otherwise it's meaningless. It serves no purpose and there's no hope. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's, that, that's super insightful too. I mean, that's something I've been in, pondering about as well a lot lately um, in my own life. Uh, obviously, you know, right now my crosses look a lot different. All of our crosses look very, very different, but I mean, yeah, like, like you said, like the frequenting of the sacraments and remaining in that state of grace is, is key to, to really bearing any cross. And I'm, that that's become more and more apparent to me. So um I, yeah, no, I think that's a, a beautiful, beautiful insight there. Um, how, uh, let's talk a little bit about OSV. Uh, that's super exciting. Again, congratulations. That's, that's awesome. What, uh, how did you kind of learn about that? What did that process look like from starting, applying, and then to winning? Yeah, so we actually 
this was our second last year was our second year that we applied and so the first year we only made it to round two and so uh i reached out and um you know, the, you know, the guys at OSB was like, reapply next year. And we're all, you know, we're all on this journey um, through our own ministries um, of growth and just obedience to the Lord and just listening to where he want, wants you to go. So last year we applied again and it was in February that we applied and um, we made it into round two, which I kind of expected because we made it the, the, the round before uh, the year before that into round two. But I didn't re- I didn't expect the rest of it. So we made it into um, I think it was three rounds and semifinals, then finals. I think it's how it went. So there was six hundred and fifty people that that applied. Um, we made it all the way down to the final. So it was uh, six, six fifty, one hundred and eighty two, twenty four, twelve. And then out of the twelve, we did our pitch um, to pick three winners. Wow. So we made it all the way down to that. And uh, it's it's still like I remember getting the text from um, Dr. Matt Smith and he was like, grab your family. And I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> Do I need to lean on them for support or did we win? I was, <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was it was surreal, though. We were so excited because, you know, for the longest time, like like the church doesn't have a grief support program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it, it just, it, it just seemed like we, you know, we were left to, to, to minister to one another on our own, you know, without the help of the church. And it just didn't make sense to me because we had all these rituals and these rites for death. Like they're all super important, but then no one t- really talks about it. You know, we don't talk about it anymore. And so for OSV to recognize this ministry as necessary, just it also gave me the affirmation that I needed from the church that says what you're doing is important. And yeah. so it, it was great because, you know, sometimes it feels so lonely because it's such a very um, hard topic to talk about that most people don't. You know, they want they're like, oh, you know, it's great work that you're doing. But, you know, sometimes that's as far as it's, you know, it goes. But so that to have the church recognize um, that this is important, this is necessary. And like we are behind you, we're encouraging you, we're praying for you. It just that was amazing. And then, of course, the money. (laughs) Now we can do some great things. Uh, The two programs that we um, pitched was for our Good Shepherds program, which is going to be a pastoral pastoral certification um, to help um, new budding clergy and um, deacons and priests to understand how to receive families of loss um, after we lose. Because um, most clergy have shared with us that that's a um, that's something that they learn how to do through experience. And so we would, we would like to give them like a basic of this is like things that you can do to support us. These are the things that we need. And these are the 
these are the things that families go through. So, and because oftentimes what we've found is that, you know, we put our best foot forward for our clergy. And so sometimes they don't really understand how bad things are at home. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to our priests until our marriages are falling apart and that, or we're, you know, in a very bad place, uh, maybe have picked up some addictions like drinking or, you know, some people we've had um, start abusing um medication that they were given after their child died you know, um I'm, I'm trying to think of i can't remember we, we had a family that this has happened to um some families even pornography um just because the distancing in their marriage um you know some some of the couples turn to pornography so it's just it's a very destructive um crisis that happens and it's not talked about definitely no, hundred percent. I'm I'm super excited for you. You know, being a winner of this and being able to spread that because I would agree. Like that's got to feel like great to just have that affirmation from the church that this is needed and you're at the right place at the right time. You know, with, with everything you're doing. So, what's your biggest piece of advice um, to any um, Catholic creative, um, Catholic content creator, Catholic entrepreneur? Um, that maybe has a niche and is looking to kind of uh, make an impact with what they're passionate about. Yeah. So one of the greatest advice Jason Shanks gave to us through OSV was marry the problem, date the solution. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've pushed myself back and I'm like, this is not right. You know, it's kind of like, is it Thomas Aquinas after he's written all these documents? He was like, this is straw. You know, it's like, there's oftentimes like what we're doing. It's like, it's not working, you know? And, and so that's what, what I was telling you, like we create programs in response to those obstacles. And so be okay with having to change whatever, that you're working on if it's not working, like method-wise, not not um, change the problem you're working on, change the method. And so for us, um, the method of just creating content was not working. Mm-hmm. We have all these families who are still, you know, n- not having support, um, and they talk about it. Um, I belong to a little Facebook group called "Mommy to a Little Saint." There's over five thousand women that are on this um this group and many times i see just the thread after thread after thread feeling so abandoned by the church um, because there's not support in their community and so how do we fix that well we have to create support and so there's just different ways that we can do it one through technology we can we can start ministering to them um and so just like i said just if there's an obstacle, if there's a problem and you can't figure it out, try a different method, not necessarily change what you're doing, but change the method that you're doing it. And that's, I think that's what was so attractive with OSV is that the traditional way of what, what was offered in the past, um, there's a lot of great little ministries that are popping up, um, you know, at local parishes and they're being served by families like Ryan and Oz. But the, the problem we were having was that there was no, um, there wasn't any resources to be able to, for these, these ministers who are doing what they felt called by God to do. There wasn't the right resources and tools. And so that's what we're 
doing is we're we're empowering them and providing them this with these resources and tools so that they can just go and serve hearts. So that's our that's our ultimate goal is to um, to provide what these these ministers need. And then of course prayer at the at should be number one. Um, obedience to the Holy Spirit. There's times God said stuff and I'm like, I do not want to call that person <laughs> or I do not want to do that thing, Lord. Why? And then you see, or I don't want to go that place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, you see why um, he made you do that. So obedience to the Holy Spirit. And do not, I, I don't really have um, an issue with, um, fear, but again, like JP two says, be not afraid, be not, be not afraid to do something that is outside of the box. Um, if it hasn't worked, if something hasn't worked before, there's a reason for it. You need it. You need to think outside the box, be okay with, with living outside of the box, which is sometimes hard for Catholics because we're so straightforward. <laughs> so be okay with living outside that box. Um, I, I always tell everyone, you know, I used to like beat myself up, like I'm not quiet like the Blessed Mother. I don't keep everything in my heart. <laughs> and, um, you know, we I heard that I heard a, a a quote and it said, you know, be okay with who God made you. If He wanted to make you different, then He would have. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can't say that's okay. If, you know, for some of these little vices I have, you know, I have to bring them back into virtue, but to be okay with who Kelly bro is and, and just live that authentically. Very good. No, that's beautiful advice. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to pull up a banner here um, real quick, just so that um, if anyone would like to find you, I wanted to, it's redbird.love, correct? Yes. And one last plug to our app, which was the second program for OSD should be coming out the first quarter of uh, 2022. That's our goal. Brilliant. Um, That's awesome. So, so people will be able to plug people into support that way as well. Okay. And then is there any other uh, places, social media channels that people can find you guys on? Yeah, we have Instagram and Facebook. Um, and our online community, which you can, if you go on the uh, the website, you can join our online community. Very cool. All right. Well, Kelly, thank you so, so much uh, mm-hmm. for joining me. Um, I'm super excited um, for for you and, and your ministry. And thank you for, for sharing this morning, but thank you for, for all that you do. Thank you too. God bless. Right. God bless.